Welcome, everybody. This is Jeff Morton, one of your hosts for Returning to Eden. My co-host, Dina Dye, is out there somewhere. Hi, Dina. Yes, I'm in space, cyberspace, yes. I'm here. <laughs> How are you doing this evening? I'm good. I, ha I have to do a shout-out, though, for our listeners, because today is Jeff's birthday. Oh, yeah, Happy yeah. birthday. <laughs> thank you, and thank you all the folks that uh, I got flooded with emails and Facebook stuff, and I appreciate it all. Thank you so much. I'm the big 5'8 today. Ooh. I think I'm, what is that, 22 years younger than you, Dina? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was born in 1959, you guys, in a little town called Geneva, New York, uh, Lyons County, uh, 58 years ago. And uh, I appreciate all your birthday wishes and whatnot. I even had a cake and I got presents this year. All right. <laughs> that That's doesn't a good <laughs> All right, so anyway, um, you know, I I kind of have to get myself together because I've been bouncing around for a week now. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of that stuff. We're still talking about image bearing, but before we get started, I want to remind everybody that Dr. Dina Dye is going to be in the uh, Tacoma area September the 16th. She's going to be speaking um, at El Shaddai Ministries. She's going to do two services. Hope you can join us there. We're also putting together a little uh, evening thing on Saturday evening for the women, specifically the women, because I'm, I'm, I've asked Dina to teach, um, share a little bit about a particular teaching uh, called The Wisdom in the World Outside of Time, and it's geared towards women. I listened to it, and I was like, whoa. You know, folks, i got to tell you, I, I don't think my co-host gets the kind of credit she deserves because there's stuff that's happening to my world that's been transformative since I've met her, and so... I hope you all come out and check her out on September the 16th. And I'm also talking with Moed Ministries, my good friend Dan and Brenda Cathcart. Uh, Dan was talking about doing an interview, uh, interviewing both Dean and I when she's here in town uh, for the show, Returning to Eden, and putting it on film so you guys can see us interact or something like that. And Dean, I know you were kind of, that was a good idea for you. So we're yeah. actually talking about it and trying to put it together. So I talked to Dan about that last night. Cool. And, yeah, uh, that'll be good. Yeah, that'll be really good. And I want to give a shout-out to uh, Hector and Sophie. I met them down in Pasco. My wife and I journeyed to Pasco. It's about a four-hour drive from here. Uh, took all the stuff that was gifted to the girls in Peru by several women at El Shaddai Ministries. And then we took just under $1,000 to Rick uh, to support the ministry. I wish we could have taken a lot more. I've been to Peru, guys. I know what they need. It's constant. He needs about five, fifty-five hundred dollars a month just to keep the place going. But we drove down there, dropped all this stuff off, gave him some suitcases full of stuff, and uh, he's leaving for Peru to go back. His three-month sabbatical is over with. He's heading back to Peru, and uh, so we gave him all that stuff. And then while I was there, I got to meet Hector and Sophie, his wife, and their two daughters, Nicole and Natalie, and. Uh, Hector had drove in from another city, Tri-Cities, I, I think Richmond, but I'm not sure, uh, just to meet me, and he listens to the show. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Apparently he went down to New Mexico and yeah, met had, you I last year, yeah, and you remembered him. Yeah, yeah, I do. And, Dean, I think well, he was surprised he, that you remembered him. Well, somebody that drives that far to come to the conference, <laughs> oh boy, yeah. And I've you know I've seen him on my website and stuff so yeah I do I do remember them looking forward to seeing him again sometime. Well, he was a real blessing to me and uh, I mean you know you it's kind of a 
a little pat on the back affirmation that you're doing something right. I've talked to people in Scotland who are listening to our show, Dina. I don't think I mentioned cool. that to you. We've got people across the pond in England. I know a couple of people in South Africa that have spoken to me. Uh, we even have somebody in New Zealand. So our nice. show is growing. Yeah. And we appreciate all of you folks listening and certainly the archives. You can pick up the archive shows on our podcast, Podomatic, Returning to Eden. Dina's got a spot on her website. Foundations and Torah, and of course jeffismore.com. You can you can catch all the archives there, and of course our Facebook page. So having said all of that, get all that out of the way. Oh, by the way, um, well, no, I'm not even going to go there. So, Dina. Yeah. We were talking <laughs> earlier. I gave you a call. I, yeah. I was on the way to work, guys, and I had my headset on for all you strange folks in Washington who. <laughs> So I'll have you know, I dialed her number while I was had my headphones on. I said, Dina, can, can you talk? She, she called me right back. I've been bouncing off the walls for a week now. And the whole time I was down in Pasco, I'm focused on Rick, but I'm thinking in the back of my mind, really the, the strength of the show and the value of what we're trying to do. And I kept seeing all these pieces come together. And so I called you. And I said, Dana, blah, 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 this, and blah, 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 that. And you said, well, I just wrote about that in my book. Yeah, <laughs> chapter three. <laughs> this is just, you guys have no idea how much fun we have. And also, I, I get what Dana's writing about. I get it. I've, been, I've, I've had this in my head for ten years. I just didn't know what it was. And now it's starting to come together. And that namely is that we're in the field. And we're where Cain slew Abel, where we're Hasatan was more crafter than all the beasts. We're separated from the divine presence of God, and, and we all know this, but we actually are starting to, to tap into the backstory. And I, I yes. credit you with a lot of that, Dean, and I also credit John Walton. Mm -hmm. Professor John Walton, yes. and certainly some of the teachers that we've know that we both know. But really, folks. What I'm beginning to realize is that this, the Bible is not a religious paradigm. It's not a book about doctrine and theology and exegesis. It, it is if that's what you want to learn. But what the Lord was telling us is that the kingdom of God is near. So the, really it's about a kingdom. And right. Dina, you wrote a book called uh, The Temple what is it? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, the first one. The Temple Revealed in Creation. Yes. Was the first and one. you were... Yeah. You were trying to bring this point to bear. Yeah. And, and as image bearers, we're representatives of a government, folks, not a church system, not a synagogue system. And I don't say that to be offensive. I'm just, this is an uphill battle to try to get people to realize that Messiah is going to teach the law. It's going to go forth from Zion, according to Isaiah 2.3 and Malachi 4.3. The weight of the government of the world should be upon his shoulder, according to, again, Isaiah. He shall rule over the whole earth, not from a pulpit, folks, but from a throne, from a presidency, from the office of the highest leader in the world, in the land. He's going to rule and reign the nations from Jerusalem. I've said this a thousand times. The capital city of the kingdom of God is Jerusalem not unlike Washington, D.C. for the United States of America, Moscow for Russia, Peking, 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 Peking for China. 
Yeah, Beijing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Tina, uh, you I, know where I'm at. I'm bouncing off the walls, so help me out here. <laughs> well, we're really trying. I mean, this, like you said, this is this. We're swimming upstream here. I'm presenting material. I can. People are are definitely interested, and it's resonating with them. Yes. So we're trying to remove all of the preconceived theology. I mean, theology is a dense word, and it has led us, I think, astray in a lot of ways. The key to the Bible, in my opinion, and what I'm trying to communicate in this second book, The Temple Revealed in the Garden, is that it is only concerned about the king over the kingdom. It's not, I mean, we have information about other family lines and, you know, empires and stuff, but really, the focus of the Bible from Adam to Messiah is about the king over the kingdom. And it's really not that concerned about anything else. And actually, I, you know, I was thinking about that. If you, we have in the New Testament, in Matthew and Luke, we have the genealogies of Messiah. And as I'm, I'm showing in the chapter that I'm in now, that any time you have genealogy, offspring, and seed bearing, it's speaking about new creation. So we have creation. Creation began to unravel with Adam's violating the commandment. And so now there has to be a, re a new creation because of what's happened to the original creation. So anytime in the Bible you see uh, a list of genealogies, it's talking about new creation. And creation and temple building are one and the same. They are synonymous terms. So one of the, the lineage of Yeshua in, in Luke chapter 3, and I'm not going to read all of this, but I would encourage everyone to go back and read it, starting in 23. Now I have the Tree of Life Bible, and it, it has the little section head, quote, as the lineage of Yeshua ben David ben Elohim. Now ben Elohim, son of God, is a term for a king who was raised right. up. He was the adopted son of the, the, the suzerain, and now he's coming into to his inheritance and the throne, and he was called, every, every king in the ancient world was called son of God. This is not some, you know, new term. And, of course, ultimately, in the culture they lived in, Caesar was called the son of God. So it starts out, Yeshua was 30 years old, and I'm just, you know, I plant that piece of information because we're going to talk about Joseph here in a few minutes. And it goes, you know, he was the son of Yosef, and on and on and on down, till it ends up the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, Shet, and the son of Adam, the son of God. So Adam, son of God, also was a king. That was his title for the adopted son of the king. And so here we have, in this genealogy that runs right through King David from his son um, Nathan, Natan, and we have it, it's all encapsulated in that. And so everything, when we go from Adam all the way down to Messiah, through every, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to Moshe, and then to all the kings of Israel, David, Hezekiah, and down. Everything is about the king. That is what the Bible is concerned with. Kingdom, government. Well, I was thinking, too, when we talked about this, Moses could have started the Bible with Noah the kingship of Noah after the cleansing of the earth, but he didn't. He right. started with Adam. And so we we have to go back that 1,500 years or whatever, how many years it was, and realize, and I would suggest this, 
that Moses is starting with the kingly line that would bring forth the Davidic kingdom and ultimately right. the Messiah. He's not interested in the other kingdoms that are surrounding uh, what we would call Eden or the place where God placed Adam in Genesis, I think it's Genesis 2.15. So we're looking at God placing. You know, it's interesting, and we talked about this too, Dina, when we look at the archetype, which Professor John Walton kind of introduced that word to me, archetype being, a, 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 how did he describe it? It's kind of like the forerunner of all things. Like all the people who are made from dust can be an archetypal statement. Not that one person was made from dust and everybody else was born from it, but the concept of all of mankind being made from the dust of the earth. However, if we look at Moses' literature as he's writing about this, this is not something that his, the people he's writing to would have had to understand this. This was common. So when we see that Adam was taken out of the dust, it's kind of, a, it's kind of like uh, Joseph being taken out of the well. Noah mm -hmm. being taken out of the water, uh, Yeshua being brought out of the tomb, Jonah out of the well. And I'm not talking about the sign of Jonah. I'm talking about a ceremony and a coronation and something new is getting ready to happen. Adam was, Adam was born again, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, and that that's, a term, that's an ancient Near yes. East term for a king coming to the throne, being born again, being raised up. Because when they were in the earth, they were, and they... Uh, they were considered as, as earthly or as human, as, but when they're raised up, they're divine. When it sprouts up through the earth, they become divine, and now the parents are heavenly parents instead of earthly parents. And so in the ancient this, world, that would have been mythologically understood. Myth right. Mythology would not have been a bad word. They, they had no scientific reference. They right. only well, had mythology, which you speak well And the well Bible about. isn't interested I mean, it's not that it's not there, but the Bible isn't interested in that story. Now, one of the things I do, because one of the frustrations here with, we have, the Bible contains real people in real places. There's a real geography, there's real family, there's real names. It's just, we have a layer on top of that, and this is the layer that we're talking about. So we're not throwing out the literal layer, right. <laughs> but there's yeah. another layer over it. And that's the one we're trying to focus in on. I mean, we have, you know, real kings of Assyria coming against Israel, uh, the northern tribes. We, you know, we have real kings, you know, in the, in the, from the time of David on, well, going back to Saul. So these are real people living in real places, having real babies with real names. But the backstory, what, what we're trying to present here, the backstory is this stuff, but now we're looking at you know what? How what's the overlay look like? And that is the essence of the kingdom. Well, if we, if like I would say, and I have said to many people, we're we're not different from the past. We're a product of it, and so we have to somehow be connected to it in a way whereby it's tangible. For example, if you and I, if God appeared to us and said, "Don't eat that that fruit," or or all of creation is going to fall, you and I would go, "Wow, this." This That's is, weird. <laughs> this is wacky. And so if we if we actually look at that and say, well, that's kind of wacky, what's the backstory? And so returning to Eden is, is trying to filter through the abstract so that we can see the real human uh, story yeah. going on. And we know that um, 
if you look at the kingdom of God and the governance of God, it's benevolent. It's a servant type thing. It's not a dictatorial, autocratic type thing. So when we look at what Adam actually compromised, he compromised a benevolent situation for a dictatorial situation. And because of a choice that he made that caused Israel to be scattered, if you will, the temple to be destroyed, if you will, all hell to break loose, if you will, he compromised the benevolent situation and accepted for, for, for all of us, if you will, a dictatorial, oppressive, broken death, really, and right. separated from an eternal situation. So we can't look at two people chewing on an apple or a pomegranate, depending on what place you're in, as the, the quintessential fall of all of creation. <laughs> right. All of creation. There's got to be more to it, and that's what yeah. we're trying to get to. Well, and, and the idea, you know, his, God's second in command was Adam in the same way that Joseph was second in command to God and Yeshua. It's, it's not any different. And so second in command, vice regent, kingship handed to him. And the idea was that the king was going to rule and reign and bring blessing and prosperity and stability to the, the sphere in which he ruled. That was the whole, and of course he had, the, he ruled from a temple. So there was his house with his throne. And when the king sat on the throne, it brought stability to that, to that sphere. And the king was to rule in righteousness and justice and mercy and compassion. These were the elements that were supposed to be in the king so that he ruled rightly and he ruled with benevolence. And because he did that, those that were the poor and the oppressed and the downtrodden would be lifted up. But instead, out in the field, we have kings ruling, and that includes the kings of Judah and Israel. And what do they do? They oppress the, the downtrodden. They oppress the poor. They are the elite. And, man, not a thing has changed there. The elites still do the exact same thing. So that's the difference between the kingdom and the field. But we do have kingship and government is important. And I'm, I'm afraid many Christians have sort of abdicated their responsibility in that in that realm and just said, I, you know, I can't deal with this. But, folks, this is how it's been since day one. There is a king and there is a structure. And Well, I think, too, I think, too, that, like you said last week, we're like the only thing standing between absolute complete chaos correct and the liberty that comes with with the kingdom of god and yes. so even though we're all out here in the field we're all living with the beasts and among the beasts there has to be a remnant that adheres to the principles of the kingdom of god and the problem in our generation folks is that those people are less and less and so yes. we see chaos overwhelming every area of society whether it's uh, the, the laws of marriage that God ordained in his kingdom, the laws of child rearing, the childbirth, uh, all of these lines are being obscured because the people who held firm to the principles of a benevolent kingdom are not doing that in the world today. And so we're seeing the area of the beasts, the place where Cain slew Abel, the place where Hasatan was more craftier than the kings of the earth, running over us as though we're, we're voiceless and we don't have a voice. And then I would dare say, too, to the Messianic and Hebrew roots people, 
the whole concept of being in a movement like this is, is, a, is a template of what goes on in the world in Babylon. Because God says, honor your neighbor. That's not, that's not um, arbitrary. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife. We just go with the basics. That's governmental institution of a benevolent system that guarantees life and the lives of children and the lives of families. We're not doing that. And so we're seeing in the Hebrew Roots Movement, in the Jewish world, in the Christian world, it doesn't matter. Whatever religious system you're in, whatever mindset you have with regard to that, it's being overrun because the, the basic structure of God's kingdom is not being adhered to. Yeah. Well, and again, it, his seed, <laughs> the children of God, are the only thing holding this thing together. And, you know, as long as we have breath, we have a responsibility to the, to the world in which we live. I mean, the disciples were sent out into the world. They were the seed, and they would bear fruit, and we're supposed to do the same thing. The problem that we're experiencing now, you know, you know is just a total sellout to the culture. Uh, that's become our idol. And, you know, I don't care if you're, you know, in Christianity, Judaism, what, you know, Hebrew roots, Messianic, whatever. When you begin to sell out to the culture, you know, it is though, as you just mentioned, the beasts are running roughshod over you. It's as though your image, your image that you're bearing looks like a beast and not and, like a human form. And we're, king, like we're trying to conform. Designed. We're trying to conform yeah. to the beasts that are trying to kill us. You yeah, said yeah. something. And, and this goes, you said something, and uh, I agree with it, but I want to I say something about it. You said the disciples were sent out into the nations. See, when we hear that in our culture, we hear the birth of the church, mm. the birth of Christianity. No, these are representatives of the government of the kingdom of God. Right. And they're right. going out to institute the, the laws, the statutes, and the commandments of the king. So they're going out not to share a faith-based message on how to be born again. They're going out saying, here is the law of the land of the kingdom of God. These are the things that you agreed to do by blood covenant, because that was the language of the world back then. You entered into a covenant whereby breaking it was death, and that was very common. You were put to death for breaking a covenant. So what the disciples were doing, is they were taking, they were like representatives of the government of the kingdom of God. And if we kind of look at it from that perspective, it's like you being a citizen of the United States of America. And, 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 and you, you're, you're living by faith according to the laws of the nation. Well, how does that work? You either don't run the stop sign or you do. You, you either shoot and kill your neighbor or you don't. That's not a faith-based reality. That's being obedient to the kingdom of God, which when you do that, it supports life. Right. And that, you know, we go back to Adam. He was priest king in the garden. He was supposed to spread his seed out to the four corners of the earth. And then when we fast forward to the time of the, of the disciples, the Talmudim, they are, and we are, a kingdom of priests. We're the same thing. We're the king, king, priest king of Adam. We're now the kingdom of priests today. And the, the concept of being born again has to do with a king being raised up and inaugurated to, in that function and purpose, in that role, to take 
the seed out and spread it to the four corners of the earth. Like it's not any different. And and we have accepted the obligation of that covenant that was renewed with the death of the Messiah and the resurrection of the Messiah. He over, the very first thing he did was overcome death by instituting the government of the of life. And so what were the disciples doing? They were going out and they were sharing the institution of the kingdom of God, which is benevolent and it supports life. I was reading Psalm 119, 175, says, Let my soul live, and it shall praise thee, and let thy judgments help me. The laws of the kingdom of God are for our benefit. The laws of the kingdom of hell are to destroy us, divide us, and keep us broken. When and we just... We want to live in a, in a, in a, how do I put this? Who doesn't want to live in a place that's peace and rest? But we're, we're living in a time as anything but. The, the, the right king ruling over his subjects brings that kind of peace and blessing and rest and prosperity. And when you've got dictators and tyrants running the show, you know, it's working exactly 180 degrees backwards. And that's we're feeling the squeeze and the pressure because there is no one righteous among us running anything. And sense. so we just look at it all as this is just sort of corrupt system. But within I mean, where we live, we have an obligation to be the righteous seed, continue planting and to and that it would bear fruit, and that's the only thing that's gonna change you know, this world. And and the fruit is the statutes the commandments and the laws right. of the kingdom. If, if, if you shred every single law in the United States of America, and there's the only reason why there's a gazillion of them is because we don't observe ten. Right. Uh, if you, but if you shred every one of them, then you're dismantling your governmental system. Yeah. Yeah. And what has happened in the churches is they've dismantled their government mandate. Well, their when you disconnect from your foundation and your root and your obligation you, how do you govern you right. know and i when i go places i mean i'm not into getting into discussions and debates about how much of this torah commandment blah 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 i usually just say listen i my focus is on the top 10 uh, if if i you know if the top 10 are being manifest in my life i'm good <laughs> Now that's not to say I don't celebrate the festivals and do traditional types of things, but as far as character and seed spreading, those Ten Commandments are key. They're key to an orderly, stable society, which is what we want. And I would, I would even go so far as to say, if you stop and think about that very thing that she said, we're filtering, our filter is hell and chaos not righteousness and benevolence because we're raised up in a place of chaos. We're raised up in a place where we have to come out of her in order to see the fruit of the kingdom of God. We have to come out. So Adam and Eve were relegated to leave the sacred space and so Cain was the first product of an unholy, unrighteous, unbenevolent, messed up society and of course he was raised up in that and he killed his brother. And that's that's the filter that we've all seen all of this from. And so we have the same arguments that he had. 
We have the same lack of discipline. We have the same dysfunctions. We have the same disloyalties. And what Dean and I are trying to say to everybody in, in, that listens to our show is if we go back to just a basic 10 and represent those things as, as literally image bearers of the king, then we have a chance to kind of turn the tide. We have a chance to relight the light. But we have to look at it from a kingdom perspective, and we're citizens of the kingdom of God, not citizens of whatever denomination you happen to be a part of. Well, think about it, because the first fruit of Adam and Eve was Cain. He was supposed to be the king. Right. And what does he do? He Kills. murders the, yeah, the second horn. Kills his sibling. So yeah. Now we have a whole, you know, out of that another line, you know, in a sense another line. But he was he was raised up to be king, and uh, that's just sobering. So, like you said, in the field, it's like everything just collapses and is is corrupt. But God restores, and so He brought another seed, Seth, to continue the family line on down to Messiah. And and if we if we step away from the people aspect. And just look at what the king is doing. He is restoring, literally restoring the seed of his authority, which is Jerusalem. I love the midrash you sent me, Jerusalem. <laughs> he's restoring. He's preparing to make the entrance to restore us back from the chaotic mess that we've created to to a place of benevolence where he rules and reigns with justice and righteousness. And so, yeah, in order for that to happen. We have to see the central, the central area of his government reestablished. And so, for all of you people that are wanting to be Jewish, I, I would, or or trying to emulate some of the, the 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 traditions of the Jewish people, consider this: How about emulating the kingdom of God and representing the commandments that He gave to Moses? Because yeah. that that happened long before first century Judaism, if you will. Yeah. And that's what we need to emulate. And that yeah, we've got about this ain't about DNA, never has no. been, never will be. This is no, it's, it's not about race and skin color and right. anti Semitism and bigotry. Are you a citizen of the kingdom? Are you loyal to your brother? Are you taking care of the widows? Are you helping the orphans? Do you love the Creator? Are you loyal Amen. to the covenant that shed his blood in order for us to be redeemed? That's Dina, right. that's it. We're done. Who can follow that? Amen. Folks, I want to say something. Dean and I thought about doing a one-hour show, but it's a proven fact. After about 35 minutes, people leave. So yep. we do 30 minutes and hope you come back. Amen. See Amen. you next time. God bless you guys. God bless. Shalom. Bye -bye. Shalom. Shalom. <laughs>